0: oh, I hate this one the most, I think. I think I hate this one the most now. When a company says we have the best designers, they're trying to woo you. saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, we are so special because we have talented designers from Uber, Apple, Microsoft, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, these are very famous companies, but it doesn't mean everyone at those companies are very good. Hey, you're listening to the Shaping Design Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mitchell, and our goal with this podcast is to improve your design skills through strategies, tactics, and tips. We interview top-tier creatives to share their experiences and knowledge with you so you can accelerate your career. Today, Pascal, my co-host, my lovely co-host, is unavailable. So I thought I'd do a solo episode to fill the slot. If you're watching this podcast on YouTube, you'll probably notice that the background and kind of my setup has changed a little bit and that's all thanks to my incredible girlfriend who has so kindly helped me uh, rearrange my room and kind of i hate saying like improve the feng shui of the room but that's exactly what has happened and so i really give i want to give a big shout out to her but more on that actually uh, designing your room in a later episode today in this episode i'd like to take the time to chat about two things number one what we plan on doing moving forward with uh primitives, how to scale, how we're gonna scale primitives, our kind of our brand and, and the shape and design podcast. And number two, I want to talk about red flags that designers should be looking out for when trying to join a company, when you're applying for a job. So we talked a lot about in the past about you know creating your portfolio, but you know, that portfolio needs to be used as a vehicle to get you to your next job to get you the next contract for the for the freelancing or whatever it might be. And you need to know what to look for when you're actually applying for a job. This will focus mostly on kind of the interview process with companies instead of like contracts with individuals that you might want to, want to use as clients if you run that kind of thing. But maybe they'll still kind of cross over a little bit. I'm going to look at my notes over here that I have for some of the stuff, some of the the show notes for all the bullet flags that we kind of highlighted as pretty common things that most people don't seem to notice. When I asked a lot of my colleagues, I, I actually realized that a lot of my senior colleagues knew a lot more about the the kind of situation that I'm in when trying to apply for a job when, versus other co- other colleagues that are, you know, less experienced or more on my level, you know, they don't seem to have the same bird's eye view because they're at the same altitude that I'm flying at. But when you're flying at a higher altitude, you can kind of see more more of those things. And I want to kind of highlight some of those things for you so you can see those too. And this is something that I'm currently going through. It's something that I've been going through forever, you know, in all my time as a designer. So I don't think that this is something new. And, and this is not something that I think everyone uh, struggles with. So we'll get into that in a minute. But first, I want to talk about primitives our brand for all the things that we're going to do and the shape and design podcast and the future of that pascal and i have realized that we were trying to do a lot right we wanted to launch courses we wanted to you know do two cool marketing initiatives you know i talked about in the last podcast with pascal one one startup one week we talked about learning framer and doing that kind of stuff you know we we had all these amazing ideas i mean truly amazing ideas and i And I think that we're going to do them in the future. But we realized that we were trying to do too much for too many reasons. And we want to go back to the basics, the primitives, the primitives of what we're trying to do for you, the listener, the viewer, the reader, our audience. We want to do two things. Number one, we really want to have fun with this. We want to have fun talking to people. We want to have fun just Talking, to, talking, we want to have fun shooting the shit. We want to have fun collaborating and, and, and writing and and just talking to one another for, you know, I don't really know the words to really use, to be honest, I'm not really prepared for this kind of doing this pretty late, this podcast and just kind of recording it. And then hopefully it doesn't need much editing, but we kind of are are missing that kind of fun aspect of what we intended on doing, because this is something that we really enjoy doing. We really enjoy teaching people, really enjoy educating people, and helping others get better at, at their craft, whether it be designer or whatnot. But we we forgot about ourselves, and we tried to do too much, and focus too much either on the money or too much on on the 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 the, the success, and too much on other aspects that I think detracted away from the true value that we can provide. So. We spoke about this today and in previous days, and I think that it makes the most sense to kind of scale back the initiatives. We both agreed that we were trying to do too much, right? So that was kind of like one thing. It was, it was not really fun. And it was getting to a point where it was more of a chore than being fun because we're trying to set up this whole foundation, but we don't even have a foundation to set up on, which kind of is, is weird. We're trying to build a foundation, but this foundation needs to have, you know, the ground readied for the foundation. You can't just put concrete on on dirt and say, okay, here it is. You have to make sure the ground's kind of ready. There's no reservoirs underneath and that it will collapse, right? So we didn't do our homework on that, I guess. And ultimately we need to revisit that. But you know, secondly, we want to provide value to you. And we thought that we were doing a disservice by doing all of these things, which seemed to be more for us. So we're sorry, but we're gonna actually scale back so that we can focus more on our audience and help teach you all of you through our podcast, you know, YouTube channel, you know, we have trying to do a TikTok, but that all stems from this podcast. And then we're also going to jump back on the writing. You know, we haven't released any articles yet, but hopefully this week or next week you'll start seeing some articles being populated through. And you know, I give a lot of credit to Pascal because he's really the the king of writing, especially between the two of us. If 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 I was to do the framework competition with him, maybe I would win the the website stuff, you know, each startup thing. But I think that he would definitely champion me. Every single time on the writing. So, you know, definitely looking forward to that and definitely looking forward to all of you giving feedback about what you read from us. So I wanted to kinda of just take time to go through that. No, you know, number one, we're gonna be refocusing the the whole initiative of primitives and shape and design on you, the viewer, trying to have fun doing it. So that's what we're doing, scaling it back and focusing more on the pod, the you know, the video and the audio and the recording and the content, that kind of stuff, and then writing some stuff. So stay tuned for more on that. Secondly, let's get into the the main goodies of today. This is probably a, a shorter episode, but no worries. It'll definitely be full of great content. And I want to talk about red flags to look for when trying to apply for a job as a, as a designer. And this also applies to everyone else who's not a designer. I know those people who are not designers listening, you know, it could be developers. Can be therapists could be whatever you know designing your life could could take any different form of a career design's not limited to designers right but you know that's a different topic we can get into another time I'd love to get into that but I I do want to kind of finish up our series of Podcast episodes related to portfolios and I thought that this would be a great way to kind of wrap up some of this stuff on the portfolios we probably won't be teaching a portfolio course probably giving it actually a lot of it away for free uh, a lot of the content we've already content we've already written I' want to probably prioritize that with Pascal but we're going to be talking more about that soon so for now uh, let's get into red flags. I listed some with Pascal we kind of went through these and we had some crossovers of experiences that we had from jobs that we worked at together and and separately and that others that we know have have had these same experiences but these kind of transcend across industries across different you know roles as designers and they might be service level to some they might be completely new to others but we definitely want to make sure that you are aware of these red flags so that you don't make the mistakes that we have or that others have And falling into the traps, or at least use those as, you know, things for negotiation, like we discussed in the last episode about negotiations, maybe you can use some of these red flags to your advantage. So think of it that way, but let's get into it. So the first red flag we have is inconsistency. So I'm looking over to my my left. I don't know if the camera's left or right in this case, but uh, I have my notes over here. So if I'm looking over there, that's why. So inconsistencies, when they say one thing that turns out to kind of be false or misconstrued or completely different than what they actually said, inconsistencies can really be detrimental. You know, if, for example, I'll, I'll actually give you a, a real example. I was looking for a job once where job description was a startup and, and they wanted help with, you know, as as a designer to help lead some of the and help envision some of the experiences that Exist that might not exist yet and kind of lead new experimental products initiatives. And that's great. But on the website, it kind of says, you know, there's no equity, but it's a startup. So it's kind of an expectation that if you're joining a startup pretty early, there's a high chance that there would be equity available. I probably wouldn't join a startup that didn't have equity. That doesn't really make much sense. Unless there's something so valuable about it that would help me with my career further down the line, I would probably stay away from it. But in this case, you know, there was no equity. And then kind of when I, I jumped on a call with them, they said, oh, yeah, there actually is equity. I just forgot to post it. So these inconsistencies can be little, but then grow to be really big problems. Because if, if I never said anything, I might have not even had the opportunity to negotiate for for equity. Right. So I can use it now to my advantage of a little bit. But, you know, that kind of irked me a little bit. Not a make or break, of course, but other things might be like if they say, hey, You're going to be in this team when you join. And then like a week before, you know, you're still kind of negotiating with them. They go, oh, actually, you're going to join this team or actually going to work on this product. Or, you know, not the thing that you actually wanted to join for is something that we need you to do. Those kinds of quick swaps, you know, inconsistencies of like what you agreed upon to what you actually have to end up doing. Not fun. And another example of that, you know, sometimes you don't even know this happens after the job. So you got to figure out how to make sure this is the truth, right? And that'll only come through you questioning what are you really gonna be working on. Question the team you're working with, question the execs or leadership if you have the opportunity to understand more of the direction. So you know that it's not gonna flip flop right when you join. And that happened with many other startups too, many other companies. You know, once I, I joined a company and they said I would be working across platform stuff where I can kind of oversee some of the other initiatives and kind of bring them together and and create cohesive experiences across all the products within the ecosystem of that company. It turned out not to be true. It seemed that the team was prematurely hired, and uh, some of the executives and the other teams or the other departments didn't really want something like that to happen. So I didn't get the chance to talk to those executives, and if I did, I probably either would have switched teams or I would have known ahead of time and not taken that job because it just became a big headache later on in life. And then ultimately, (laughs) it didn't really work out. So I think that's a big problem, inconsistencies, making sure you understand the job description, maybe depending on the role, right? If it's a startup, it's probably gonna be a little bit more vague just because you need to wear more hats and kind of do more things. But then if it's something that's more enterprisey or or even agency, you know, having a specific role of what you're going to do, maybe specific tasks like skills, like motion design or UX design, you know, you have more of a, of a, of a refined manner of what you're going to be working on. So you can expect things to be a certain way. You can prepare things to be spoken about a certain way when you're nego- negotiating. But then you also can, can kind of create that box of your, yours to live in and then figure out how to break out of later on. So inconsistencies. Lack of direction. This one, again, it applies to the type of role, type of company. But we've noticed that when you have a lack of direction from people you're talking to in a company like let's say you're talking to the hiring manager of, of that company and they say something along the lines of you know uh, we want to do this with with our products but then you talk to some of the other teammates when you're when you're interviewing and they say we want to do something else right then they have no kind of crossover that's a big red flag okay big red flag if people aren't sure what you're going to be working on or they they aren't sure of kind of like where the work that you're going to be committing to is going to go, it kind of signals to me that there's a miscommunication happening within the company. A lot of these things are about miscommunication, but if people aren't aware of the vision, then, or or the missions or or even the strategies of each, each initiative, then you kind of fall into this pit, this kind of endless pit. And it, it sucks. It's so, so, it's like soul crushing because You sign up for one thing, but then no one knows what's going on, so then you're just kind of spinning in circles, really, and just really just falling down this pit where you're trying to grab onto something, and then every time you try to grab onto something, it ends up breaking and you fall further. Kind of a very dark metaphor or analogy of that. I don't know why I did that. Point being, if, you know, people don't know where they're heading, they don't know where to stand. They don't know which direction to face. Be very cautious when you're trying to interview and make sure that everyone that you talk to kind of understands that same initiative and understands the kind of same mission that that your team will be working on okay so again i, I said poor communication was like the overall theme of everything but there actually is on my list a, a a item for poor communication specifically for the outreach stuff so i had friends that i was recommending for roles at, at a job and I wanted them to join me. I wanted them to be higher up than me. I wanted them to be different levels than me, whatever it was. I submitted their names and the hiring managers were in love with their resumes, was in, was actually in love with them as, as humans from what they did, their careers, whatever. And I was really happy because I'm like, oh, wow, they're a shoo-in. Like the hiring manager knows me. Awesome. The 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 Those people that I want to have join my friends, they're super talented and they've taught me so much over the years. And I can only give them the opportunity to kind of uh, spread their wings and, and make, you know, ripples at the companies that I work at. And I wouldn't do that if they weren't talented. So, you know, they're waiting for a response. Waiting and waiting and waiting. I've already recommended them. like weeks go by. I'm like, okay, hey, uh, hiring manager, what's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll get back to them. Don't worry, don't worry. They're, they're in my queue or, or uh, yeah, I, I'm going to reach out to them, don't worry. And it seems like every time I had a, ask the hiring manager to reach out to them because otherwise that person would forget or the person never would do it or maybe they got busy and just i don't know went to the bottom of their queue it made no sense to me because they really liked these candidates and unfortunately they spent too long months even waiting for responses and i'm like i'm sorry guys like you know you absolutely are on top of this person's list as far as i'm aware but they're not reaching out to you and I have no idea why. I keep pinging them like three times a week. And I think that's really bad. That makes the company look bad. It makes me look bad. But also it, it, it's, it's horrible to the person trying to get a job because look, they're trying to find a job to have a career, purpose, money to put food into the table. Like not, I think it's a bad thing of companies to do, not reaching out timely on a timely manner or at least saying, hey, I'm gonna reach out, and schedule something and then not scheduling it. Like that's horrible. Please, if you're a company listening, don't do that. Reach out in a timely manner. Respect the time of those who are applying. And of course, those who are applying, respect the time of the company. Maybe they have to go through a lot of people, right? So you obviously, know you know, be patient. But there's a point where being too patient is a bad idea. Okay? And I've had that before. I've waited out opportunities. And I said no to other opportunities when I was waiting for opportunities I really wanted. And it turns out that those opportunities never really wanted me. Or I just didn't get through all the way. Or they found someone else in time. So, you know, don't put them before you if you're applying for a job. Make sure to always put yourself before them. I know that sounds cruel, but trust me, if they're going to take too much time replying to everyone, then, you know, you have to have kind of like, you know, your round of bullets ready, you know? So make sure you prepare for that. But bad communication, poor, poor communication, watch out for that. Okay, so we got next on our list, not paid for trial work. So again, in a previous episode, Pascal and I talked about how we hate design challenges because oftentimes they're just kind of annoying and hard to gain insight into how somebody thinks and works and whatever. It sucks when they actually ask you to design part of their product and then not pay you for it. So I was asked to go through a hiring process with somebody And they wanted me to design a function on their website and say, hey, we want you to design this little thing. We want to see how you work and how your your process kind of goes. And, you know, you'll have a a week to do it. Okay, but there's no discussion of money. Didn't even assume that I would ask for it. And I was like, hey, like, is this a trial? Like like a a, a design exercise where it's like a, a product that has nothing to do with something that we're working on? Or is this like a real thing that you're going to put on the website? Oh yeah, it's something that we want to actually like, like design it and, and then like build and code and whatever and publish and whatever. And that I was like, oh man, that really sucks because you're taking advantage of me and a bunch of other people, maybe not paying us for the time. Like I get it. You're trying to see who we are, how we think, whatever, whatever your metrics are that you're using to kind of measure us. Fine. Whatever, whatever quality you're looking for, it's fine. Just respect our time. And the best way to respect our time as people who are applying is to pay us. And that's going to be expensive on your part if you're going to ask us to design a real thing for you. So uh, not a great strategy to hire people with, but I get why they do it. I would say a better strategy that Pascal and I talked about would be to, you know, look for one where they would contract you for a little bit and then hire you if they're going to ask you to do one of those things. Or even if you're applying to a job and say, hey, you know what? I get it that you want to see how I think, but this takes time away from me talking to other people and doing other work, and I have a day job or whatever it is. So I'm gonna ask for money in return for this design challenge, this design exercise. Obviously, if it's like a fake thing, like like the Shopify one, where you're not, you know you're designing like a button with like four different functions for a clock or something, then you know that's not something they're ever gonna build. So for them, you know, it's not something they can really charge or something they really need to charge for. It's like an hour-long exercise, which I still hate doing. But if they are asking you to do a real piece of their product, design a real piece of their product or, or, or whatnot, then make sure to ask for, for a payment in, in return. And if not, then they're probably not a really good company to work for. Big red flag. Okay, so next on my list is not clearly defined role. So this is also an exception for like startups where it's vague, and oftentimes they're trying to figure things out. So you have to wear a lot of hats. Fine. But for other roles, I mean, even as a startup, you know, they should at least show you the responsibilities, right? Have that listed out and not just in the job description. Those are usually written by hiring managers or people who are just trying to catch a lot of fish. And then, you know, they kind of filter through that. If you're going to be applying for a job, make sure to ask specifically what does your job entail? What are your responsibilities? You know, who, who, your, who, your, who, do, your, who do you report to or whatever? So you can you know, kind of bring back what you've learned or things that failed and you kind of talk to them about it and see if you like those people and make sure that you do, because if you don't, then you're stuck with them. But if you don't have a clearly defined role, it makes it very difficult to know how to operate day to day. Again, startups are a little different because you may have to do one thing one day. Like for example, at startups, I've been you know doing marketing on on day one, and then day two, I had to do product work, which is you know very different, right? Designing like the logo or like the website for like uh, what people sign up for for to buy the product versus actually building the product itself, trying to figure out how to create the most content dense screen to hide to to hold the most content in it, or um, trying to increase uh, conversion of a, be, you know, thorough behavior by improving some of these ability or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's hard to join a company when you don't know what you're doing. Plain and simple. If they have a vague description about it, just please make sure to ask more about it. If you don't get a good answer from them, probably a red flag. They don't know what they need you for. That's a big red flag. If you join a company and they go, oh yeah, you can now work on this thing. Ask, like, how can you contribute day to day? Like, what will you actually be doing? Are you going to be building artifacts in Sketch and Figma or, or whatever other tool? Or are you going to be doing video editing all of a sudden? Or do posting on social media, right? So please ask for that. If not, big red flag. And if you're not asking these kind of questions, by the way, you might be a red flag for the companies. So, it works both ways, right? This is like a, almost like dating you're like almost dating the companies. the companies are almost dating you as the as the employee, so make sure you have that in in the back of your head too. if you're not asking these kind of questions, they're gonna think like, okay, this person is just saying yes to me. they're just kind of giving me what I want. Clearly, there's something wrong with them. They're not asking me anything, and they're not getting giving me any pushback. so make sure to kind of uh think about that all right, three more on the list. When they say unlimited vacation, someone said this on Twitter. They said unlimited vacation really isn't a thing. it's, It's actually undefined vacation. And that's really interesting because if you go to a company and they say, yeah, you can take off whenever you want. Whenever you want. As long as you want. Why don't you take off 364 days of the year? I mean, honestly, like, like, why wouldn't you try that? I mean, legally, you could be able to do that. If that's part of their, their contract. Then technically, it's a loophole for you to just collect the paycheck and just go on vacation. Like, if that's in the contract, technically, you can do it. Not very good thing to do. But I would love to try that one day just to see how far I can go with it. To see, <laughs> to see if they would fire me or try to break the contract because Honestly, that's a contract and they can't fire you for for abiding the contract, right? But if they're saying unlimited vacation what that really means is you can take off whenever you want, but there's a caveat. You have to do a lot of other stuff in return. We're going to have you either do weekends of work or or whatever, you know, it kind of creates a stress on you, the the employee because then you have to think, okay, how much vacation is too much vacation versus too little? If you do too little, then you might stay in like the praise of the employer but if you do too much, then you might get in trouble from the employer. And I knew a lot of people when I worked at IBM who did take off a lot more time and that our boss was very upset. And, you know, it it makes sense. Like, if you're taking off a lot of time, you know, there has to be an agreeable amount. And I hate saying, you know, I want to have in my job, you know, contract a, a certain amount of days. But if you have a, a large amount of days, at least give me that number. Don't give me unlimited. You know, that's a big red flag when they say unlimited, because it's really not unlimited. You can't do every day off, you might get a couple weeks off. But then realistically, how much value are you actually contributing if you do unlimited, right? So try to pin employers down on that when you're asking them questions. You know, You know, what does unlimited mean? Is it really unlimited? Because it's also like depends on the different teams, managers and and how they operate. Oh, you know, this team has you you like clocking in, clocking out versus this team doesn't even care, right? I had amazing managers in the past who, you know, they were like, yeah, you know, as long as you do your job, I don't care when you take off. And that's at companies who had contractually specific amount of days you can take off and some that had no limited days off, so unlimited days off no limitation. So as long as you have a great manager, I'm sure you're probably somebody who might contribute really well, bring a lot of value, and therefore deserve a lot of time off. And I tried to earn that. And and with a lot of my managers, I was able to. So highly recommend you try to do the same. But if they say unlimited, be very cautious. All right, last two, no meetings. I hate this. When a company says, oh, yeah, we have no meetings, it means they do everything over text or, or email or a, a whatever chat system that they have implemented, whatever chat platform they're using. I hate this because it, it tells me that they want to be very separate and very, like, not, like, social with each other. Kind of just do your work and then go home. Because sometimes meetings actually, you, you know, I, yeah, sure, they're not as productive always, but sometimes that's okay. Like, that's part of the culture of dealing with people. It's having the meeting and then seeing their body language and then realizing that they're actually sad about something that happened at home. And then you ask about that and they open up to you. You build a stronger bond and then you actually can get them to agree with you later on. Okay? If you're doing it over text or even just video, but if you're just doing like, if you're sending like voice I, I worked at a company where they just sent voice messages to each other and they wouldn't let me have a meeting. And I really hated that because I needed to sit down with somebody and ask them a million questions. If I asked them on Slack, which I hate. They would go through one by one but over days. Okay? So if I had like five questions, they would answer one by one. And they wouldn't even come with me. They wouldn't even come to the to the question with the data. They'd either say, you know, I have to ask somebody for that, which they had time to ask them. They're on fucking Slack. So it's ridiculous when they say no meetings to me. It's 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 a, it's, it's a facade. If you don't have meetings, it's either A you do have meetings and You know, they're small meetings and they're not very productive. Hopefully they are. Or, you know, you don't have meetings and you're not being productive at all. So, you know, take your pick, right? I've never been to a company that had no meetings. They say no meetings and then they have a lot of meetings. And they're pointless. Most of the time. Meetings suck. Okay. That's a big red flag. And I think that if a company told me today that they have no meetings, I would not even think about working with them because it tells me that they're not mature enough to get things done during meetings if you can't get an agenda going on in a meeting and then actually leave with actionable insights or actionable tasks to kind of move forward with and then have insights to kind of use in your next work then they're just not good at being productive that's all so no meetings at the last second to last one and the last one is we have the best designers here Oh, I hate this one the most, I think. I think I hate this one the most now. When a company says we have the best designers, they're trying to woo you. saying, oh yeah, you know, we are so special because we have talented designers from Uber, Apple, Microsoft, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, these are very famous companies, but it doesn't mean everyone at those companies are very good. Like, you can't just name drop them and be like, oh yeah, they're great, like, Okay, so what if Joe Schmo at IBM or, or or Sally at you know Twitter didn't even do their work? They got fired, right? They have it on their resume. They went to Twitter and they or they went to a big company, big tech company, and then they kind of worked with, and they're working at this new company with with potentially you. It kind of irks me that they say, "Oh yeah, we have all these amazing talented designers from these amazing companies." Yeah, I want the, I want all their names. I want their names on a list, and I want to see every single accomplishment each one of them has actually achieved because if you're telling me that they're so special just because of where they worked doesn't mean they succeeded at those companies doesn't mean they had an impact at those companies. I want to know what their impact and and how much positivity they actually had on the company on whatever metric that they used to kind of measure the success of the company. I want to know what they've done to drive uh, culture i want to, I want to know all this thing all these things about them to prove that they're of value and that they're going to bring value to me. Cool. Fine. You worked at a very famous company. Awesome. You know, I'll clap for that. Not easy to get into this company. It's fine, but that doesn't mean you're good. And so if someone's name dropping, Oh yeah. Like they do the same thing with like VC funding. Like, Oh yeah, we got VC funding from this company. It's like, okay, yeah, cool all these companies are trying to reach out to like a million companies to find the next best thing, right? You don't even have to have something to be the next best thing. You have to be really good at convincing them. So I don't necessarily, and of course, if you, if you kind of look at like Theranos, right? right none of them did their homework. None of them did their homework on, on um, what was the one JP Morgan kind of invested, I think it was JP Morgan invested in a, a startup for uh banking or whatever. And it turns out they had like, you know, 15 million or 14 million fake users. they were all fake, you know, data points in in their database so you know they're now trying to sue the startup that they bought which is funny why didn't they just do better homework trying to prove that these were real or not real right so you know tough luck on them they they suck <laughs> they suck for for screwing that up but you know if you're not investigating that and they're just kind of winging it like just name dropping i wouldn't listen to that avoid that at all costs and if they do then, you know, try to ask them and kind of pin them down. Like, okay, like, like who? And they say, oh, we can't tell you. Oh, well, what was their impact to those companies? I don't know the name of the people. So if the hiring managers drop the names, they don't really care about the value that they added. Big red flag. Make sure to ask all, not just that question, but all these questions to some of the people that you're talking to when you're interviewing, whether it's a hiring manager, whether it's someone in in recruiting, the the team you're working on, other co, you know, co-located teams, that are near yours in, in the hierarchy or kind of tangential and different products. Try to ask these questions and make sure that you're happy, you're satisfied with the thing you're trying to pursue. Okay. I think that's it today. We talked a lot about a lot of things, actually number one, you know, the future of uh, primitives and shape and design. And we also talked about some red flags when trying to look for a job when applying with your new portfolio. Thanks so much for listening and hope you have a wonderful day.